if y'all could stand up for the reading of God's word. (laughs) Um, Our Old Testament reading is Ezekiel 36, verses 24 through 28. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart, from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. And our New Testament reading is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he said this, and after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up at the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking at the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you take a moment to pray with me? And I'm going to give you a moment of silence to pray for yourselves. And then we'll pray together. Come, Holy Spirit, help us to pray. Father, you alone can bring into order our unruly wills, and our affections. Grant us even now as we attend to all that you began to teach and do and all that you continue to teach and do, the grace to love what you command and to desire what you promise. We know that we do not always love what you command and we do not always want the right things, but we're asking today that you would cultivate 
within us to want what you offer because it is sweet and because it is savory and because it is what we are for. Come Holy Spirit, we invite you now. Amen. I'm not sure, but we may be going through Acts for a little bit. But we're definitely going to start in Acts today. This beginning. Because there's something intriguing in this season than the church calendar. The season of Easter leading to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and these episodes after the resurrection of Jesus. And Luke, who wrote Luke and Acts as a combo prequel-sequel situation, starts like this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Luke is insistent that something has happened. He's insistent that this community to whom he writes is a community that has been shaped and is a representation of Jesus' continuing teaching and his continuing action and that these things he's writing, that they're, that they're true and that they matter. Russell Moore wrote this week, or last, an essay that some of you may have seen when he's talking about the most recent Gallup poll that shows that for the first time in when, I don't know how long, maybe ever, that more Americans are not members of churches than are. And one of the sociologists reckoning with this Gallup poll said, the future is none. And one of the points he makes about the future being none, by which he means the non-religiously affiliated, the person who is not associated with the church, he says one of the ways we might understand that is not just that people have been swept up in some kind of wave of secularity. But what if, he wonders, people are leaving the church? What if young people are leaving a church because, not because they've come to believe something else, but because the people in the churches they leave don't believe what they say? That couldn't be. But that's what he supposes. And that's part of what I'm interested in here in Acts. It's because I know, and maybe you know, and maybe you feel a stirring in your gut sometimes that, wait, we say that we believe some fairly fantastical things, some fairly grandiose things that have to do with particularities, but also with the cosmos. But is it, is it moving us in any way? 
Is it altering us in any way? Is there any distinguishable feature about us? Thankfully, I think there is. But I wonder if there could be more. And so Luke continues and says this Jesus, after he was resurrected, he, he began in this book of Acts, Luke that I re- originally wrote, he began to do and teach all these things. And after his suffering, he showed himself to these men, to these apostles, these 12, this new tribe of Israel, this restoration of Israel. And he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over the period of 40 days. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. And there you get a signal. You get a signal that Luke has picked up on the main theme of Jesus' teaching, which is the main theme of the whole Bible. This book of Acts will end with Paul in a house arrest, under house arrest, boldly and without hindrance, preaching the gospel of God's kingdom. And that's the kind of word that we hear a lot, but we don't always think about it a lot. We get confused about that, but the reality is, and one of the things the Bible keeps insisting on us, to us, when Jesus comes preaching, he says the kingdom is at hand repent and believe the good news reorient yourself to this reality that the rule of God the political administration of God the healing curing governance of God is breaking through into the present the author of Hebrews says it's not always clear to us that Jesus is ruling over all things. It's not always clear to us that he is the king, but one day it will be undeniably, in, unmistakably clear. But this is what Jesus was talking about. And so people <coughs> who come under his sway, people who start to listen to him, they start to realize there's a whole different set of priorities. There's a whole different set of things that we're about. And they come from his kingship. This invisible rule that's being made visible in the church is the community where that happens. We are the people, at least in theory, who have bowed the knee, have accepted allegiance to this king, have acclaimed him as the king. And he says that's what Jesus talked to his disciples a lot about for 40 days. And on one occasion while he was eating with them, he's going to be eating with us in just a moment. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Don't leave. Stay put. Wait for the gift that my father promised. He's talking about something that is going to happen, something that did happen, that was utterly unique, this Pentecost, the pouring out of his spirit, the personalizing of his presence, which will happen in the next chapter. 
But I want to urge you to think for a moment just about this as a paradigm, as a kind of model for how to think about your life. Stay in Jerusalem. Wait for the gift that my father promised, which you've heard me talk about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As Avonlea just read, this promise of the Holy Spirit was the idea that God was not just going to be out there, but he was going to take up residence in us. He wasn't just going to be localized at the temple. He was going to be localized in human beings. And that spirit would cleanse us of our sins and our impurities. And that spirit would be put in us and would move us to walk in God's ways. You ought to look sometime at John chapter 14 and 15 and 16. And listen to how Jesus speaks about his spirit and what's going to happen when the spirit comes. He says the spirit will not leave you as orphans. He says it's actually good if I go to the father because if I go to the father, then the counselor can come and he will guide you into all truth. He will remind you everything that I have told you. The apostle Paul says the spirit is the spirit that gives freedom. It's the spirit, the presence of God in us that moves us to say, you're my father. It's the spiritual DNA being put in us to make us to want what we ought, to love what God commands, to desire what he promises. Wait for the gift that my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. Wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. And then he goes on, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates, no matter what the dude on the TV says. You will receive power. Jesus didn't say anything about TV. That was making a comment germane to the text, to our moment. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will all be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. If you've hung around Acts at all, you know that what Jesus has said here will be depicted throughout the rest of this book, that the Holy Spirit comes on them while they're in Jerusalem. And then there's some persecution that breaks out, and they get swirled out into Judea and Samaria and to the utter ends of the earth, that what he said happened. It worked. We're here today talking about it. Living into it. But here's Jesus' conviction. You will receive power when my spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses. I hope that you have had in your Christian life 
or in your life if you're not a Christian. But if you're here with masks on, you're probably a Christian. Nobody's like visiting, like exploring this thing in, this, in these terrible conditions. Not like this. I hope you've suffered some profound disillusionment. Well, that's a mean thing to say. Well, it's not. I hope you've looked around and thought, or looked inside and thought, why can I not get any better? Why is this stuff that seems to be so true in the Bible not so true in my life? Why is this not true around me? What is the matter? What's the matter? I hope you have moments where you say, what's the matter? And the question when you ask the question, the issue when you ask the question, what's the matter? Could just be, am I regularly ordering my life around the reception and the action that the Holy Spirit creates in me? Do we think about the Holy Spirit? Do we think about God's personalized presence in us and the means by which the Spirit comes to us? That's what happens as we take the Lord's Supper. That's what happens when we are together, that's what happens when we pray. That's what happens when we hang out with the scriptures and we tar- start to take them seriously. That God's spirit comes to us. That power comes on us. And it's the effects of the spirit which people can normally and regularly recognize. Jesus in another place says to Nicodemus, you can't tell where the wind is coming from, but you can tell when it's blowing. If you see a tree and its limbs are shaking like one of those nylon stick figure men with a, I can't, that's a bad illustration because I can't think how to say it. You've seen the guys. What's that? Car dealerships. You know what I'm talking about? These big guys? Yeah. Sheesh. It's a bad day. The Spirit creates effects. The Spirit creates new desires. The Spirit creates love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. The Spirit creates these fruit to show that we are now a Jesus tree and not just an us tree. A different kind of thing comes out of us. The Spirit, we're told, equips us. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to all believers for the common good. So that we might benefit others. So that Peter can say, if you have the Spirit of God, when you speak, speak as if you're speaking the words of God. The very words of God. And work with the strength that God provides. And as Jesus is telling these apostles that their task of bearing witness to him is going to happen when the Spirit comes on them. He's saying, it is going to happen. Now you're going to need to do something about it. When the Spirit comes on you, you will bear witness to another reality. You will bear witness to the reign of Christ. You will bear witness to the fact that he is alive because his aliveness will be evident.
And when Jesus is talking about the Spirit, and he's talking about the coming of the Spirit in this upper room discourse in John, he says, guys, the words I speak to you are not just my own. It is the Father who is living in me, who is doing his work. The words I speak to you are not just my own. They are my own, but they're not merely my own. There's something more to them. They're evidence of my Father who is actually living in me. We are cooperating together. He is doing his work in me and through me. This is one of the joys, the preeminent joy of being a Christian of surrendering yourself to Christ who is life because he holds out this offer you can live a life that is not just your own you can have words and power and strength and character that is not merely your own it's the excitement that the apostle Paul could have when he praises Jesus I no longer live but Christ lives in me the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know what to tell you to do about this. I think I mainly today want you to want this more. I'm not suggesting you don't already want it. I'm not suggesting it's not already happening. I'm not, already, I'm not suggesting the Spirit's not mightily active in all of us. He is. I'm asking. I'm hoping to cajole. To say, is it possible for us to orient our lives? To orient our days? To orient our practices? To make space to wait so that we may witness to a life that is not just our own. So that when people see it, they'll say, how do you, what is it about her? How does she keep being so generous? Why are they so gracious? How do they love their enemies like that? Do you think that people look at Christians right now, at least in the cultural representation of them and think that what we're training people to do is love with an otherworldly love or to hate with the same kind of hate that everybody else has. We get disillusioned and therefore it gets easy to think, I need my yard to look really good. I need my business to go really well. And may I suggest what does it matter if your yard is beautiful if your soul is shriveled? What does it matter if you made a ton of money last year and you've got no life from the heavens in you? You're not possessing what's been offered to you. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to say, I know what it is to have plenty and I know what it is to have want. I've learned the secret of being content in all situations I can do all things through Christ who's living in me. Yeah, 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 I've lost stuff. I don't even know what it, I don't even know what it is. 
because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ my Lord. I get this whiff. What is that fragrance? I get this whiff in the scriptures sometimes that makes me think I'm missing out on something. How do I get this life that bears witness to a life that's not just my own, but is evidence of the Father working through me? If you've read them, you know you know about Dallas Willard and you recognize the, a lot of things I say that he's been poisoning me for a while. A good poison. But I'm always intrigued by him. He said, when I was a young man, I used to spend a lot of time, like all the Baptist preachers I knew, trying to get people to come to the church. And he said, but when I look at Jesus' life, he was always trying to get away from people. And it made him start to imagine, what if we're doing this thing wrong? What if I need to be orienting my life to to manifest in it? Whether I happen to be a nurse or a baseball coach or an insurance salesman or a carpenter, what if I orient my life in such a way that I start to expect and I start to appropriate the life of Jesus Christ in me? by practices of waiting on him, by practices of asking for it, by practices of solitude or fasting or getting together with others and asking for God's spirit to come and to make us evidence of a life that's not merely our own. What if that is what people need to see? And so he started doing that. You've heard me say before that being a witness isn't just about propaganda or stirring people up. It is, as one cardinal in the Catholic Church once said, it's about living your life in such a way that it would make no sense if God was not alive. If Christ were not in you, your life would not make any sense. If you subtracted Christ, would your life be exactly the same as it is? That's not a question we can answer easily, but it's a question that's worth putting to ourselves. And it's a question worth putting to him. Because remember, this is a gift that he wants to give you. He wants his life manifest in you. He wants the kingdom of God to be revealed through you and the way you live and the way I live. He wants that. Maybe we could want it with him. Let's pray.